This is the Energy Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. And the fact that we're using the earth as our source of energy, it makes it much easier to extract that energy and bring it to our home. That's what's going to be, I think, truly transformational to a lot of businesses. And hydrogen fuel cells enable that world you really can accomplish for a lot of use cases with batteries. By covering the surfaces in floating solar PV panels, you can not only generate electricity on site, you can actually purify the water. We're powered up. Let's flip the switch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Market Scale Energy, another fabulous podcast show coming to you in the new year. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Wow, I really steamrolled through that intro, huh? Um, but yeah, it is a new year, and that means new, fresh content, and we're starting the new year with energy. Badoom, psh, pun intended for sure. But this is definitely a big year for the energy industry. I feel like 2019, we're going to see a lot of big things happen. Um, you know, we're taking advantage of emerging tech like drones and machine learning, uh, doubling down on a renewable future. We're continuing to see booming oil production in specifically the Permian Basin um, here in the United States, in Texas and New Mexico specifically. Those are just naming a few things to watch out for for this year. We have a lot of content on all of those subjects. You can head to our site to read up on some articles on the Permian Basin, listen to some podcasts on drones and how energy um, is impacting the future of drones. It's pretty incredible stuff. But like any industry, seeing those changes come into play takes some time and a lot of cutting through red tape, as does anything in really any regulated industry. I feel like energy, healthcare, uh, those are two of the big industries industries where we see a lot of red tape that you got to cut through to bring in new exciting tech, new exciting initiatives, whatever that might be. And that's what our two big features focus on for today. Uh, We're really looking at how you should approach 2019 headstrong to get energy initiatives moving with vigor. So for our first piece, let's start with a look at the solar industry as a whole, because solar has been booming in other parts of the world. Uh, But in two of the biggest markets, China and the United States, it's been slowing down. And I think the question is, why is that? Um, What's the global impact of two of the world's biggest players slowing down their adoption of solar energy installations? And how should innovators in those markets look to flip that slowdown? Because... I mean, if we're pushing for a future that is renewable, that uses something as, um, I mean, as powerful and with a source that is as never ending as the sun, I mean, those are the kind of initiatives that we want to see a lot of power behind. We want to see governments pushing for it. We want to see local governments, state governments, companies, um, whether that is an energy company or just a company that is looking to move forward with green initiatives. I mean, solar is definitely the future. So why would the states and China be slowing that down? It's an interesting concept and something that we explore on this upcoming feature. MarketScale host Shelby Skirhawk gives us some insight, and she sourced Joshua Rhodes, who's a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Texas Energy Institute. He lets us know in what regards solar initiatives are actually slowing down and in which cases they're speeding up. 
123 gigawatts. That's what IHS Market projects the total volume of annual solar deployment will be in 2019. That's an 18% increase from 2018. So to help put that into perspective, you needed 1.21 gigawatts for time travel in the movie Back to the Future. DeLoreans aside, worldwide, things are good for solar energy. Declining costs and improving technology are helping drive the industry's steady growth. But in two of its biggest markets, China and the U.S., which account for well over half of the world's solar use and production, solar is slowing down. 2017 was the first year on record that jobs in the solar industry declined, according to the Solar Foundation's National Solar Jobs Census. After years of steady year-over-year job growth, the total number of solar energy jobs fell to 250,000 in the United States, which is 10,000 less than 2017. There's just less demand for residential solar. We've seen some solar installers pull back from the residential sector. We saw that with Solar City, they're getting more into storage, and there's been more of a focus on utility scale than the residential side. That's Joshua Rhodes, a research affiliate at the University of Texas Energy Institute and lead author of the paper New U.S. Power Costs by County with Environmental Externalities. In it, he and researchers compiled a levelized cost of electricity that compares the cost of generating and distributing various forms of energy, including solar, wind, coal, natural gas, and nuclear. One of the things we've seen is the, the price of natural gas has been so low for the you know about the past decade that electricity prices really haven't risen as fast as as they have in the past. And so utilities are you know, less apt to put money towards things like residential solar, which is a more expensive um, or which can be a more expensive alternative than utility scale. There's a couple other things happening in the residential side. Some of the other incentives like the state level and the city level and the utility level incentives have kind of slowed down over the past few years. And so those have made you know some of those projects look less attractive to homeowners. Now, the sole incentive available is a 30% federal investment tax credit for solar energy systems. That's in place until December 31st, 2023. The subsidies are drying up in the world's largest producer and consumer of solar energy, China. In June 2018, the Chinese government took measures to curb its astronomical solar growth by slashing its federal sponsorship. So the Chinese market it is a top-down market. You know, the, the regulators or, or those in, in power can just say they're just not going to issue any more permits for solar. And so they, they're just not building any more plants. So growth is going to slow down. But on the manufacturing side, you know, they still manufacture the lion's share of world solar panels. And so since they still have that manufacturing capability and they still have stockpiles of them, it could lead to lower prices elsewhere because the price of panels will drop as you know they try to unload these onto the onto the world market. Tariffs notwithstanding, the price of um, solar panels in the U.S. will probably drop. That's good news for U.S. buyers who haven't pulled the trigger on residential solar because of cost. Rhodes says the prices for residential haven't fallen as fast as the utility scale projects, which are already at parity with the price of natural gas and coal. So the price of solar has been falling for a multitude of reasons. You know, the price of panels have been falling, but also the, the learning curves, the soft costs, the marketing, the installation, all of, all of that has also been falling. Like we're just getting better, getting more efficient at doing that. We're getting more efficient at connecting it. So you can see the price of solar has been falling for you know, decades at this point. So while the growth of U.S. and Chinese solar has slowed considerably, 
both the current solar infrastructure and outstanding physical inventory means solar isn't fading away anytime soon. There's still investment, you know, happening, and it's still out there. For Market Scale Energy, I'm Shelby Skirhawk. Thanks again to Shelby Skirhawk for that feature and to Joshua Rhodes, again, postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Texas Energy Institute. It was great getting that insight because I know when I found the story and wanted to source this story for the podcast, it definitely puzzled me that globally the U.S. was slowing down production, even though I felt like we were seeing nothing but growth. But upon some closer inspection, even local energy companies and local governments We're having some disagreements on how to proceed with energy initiatives. So it isn't just a national thing that the states, you know, isn't keeping up with the same global production that we're seeing some European countries get into. But it's also that's, I guess, a macrocosm of smaller issues on a local government level. And a perfect example of this comes from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where there have been some local disagreements between utility companies and the powers that be. In this case, it's actually state law about how to move forward with some solar initiatives. MarketScale host Scott Sidway did some research and brings us a look at a local battle that is representative of a potential nationwide issue. And what we're breaking down here is the company We Energies and its difficulty moving forward with solar projects with the state of Wisconsin. Take it away, Scott. So when you think about or talk about solar energy, your mind probably goes to those panels that are uh, on top of homes you may see uh, in your neck of the woods. You might see them on government buildings. Of course, you think of electric cars and just you know, renewable energy in general, right? Um, and that's been a push that's been happening for several years now. I know uh, myself personally, I've seen a lot more homes in the North Texas area. Uh, homes using solar energy. Uh, And as we start to see this push across the country for solar energy, we're starting to see a lot more governments take interest because what what are the the benefits of solar energy? Of course, you know, there's pros and cons and people will will argue for or against it. um, A lot of different reasons. But, you know, the biggest two reasons people are are for solar energy. One, it's renewable. You know, it's not a resource you're going to run out of, right? And two, it's a lot cheaper. You can save money uh, on your electric bill and your energy bills and, you know, cut into what many people consider a monopoly when it comes to some of these electric companies where you live. But the problem is, you know, as you start seeing governments get involved and governments want to embrace solar energy, what you end up seeing is some uh, some murky situations as to what is allowed and what isn't allowed. And that's why we're going to turn our attention uh, today to the great state of Wisconsin, more specifically the city of Milwaukee. And this is a story coming out of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And the headline reads, lack of clarity on state law could hinder solar projects and limit competition. So to give you a kind of a general idea of what's happening here in Milwaukee, and this could be an issue moving forward in other cities and states potentially, is that essentially these, these solar panels that were approved by the city of Milwaukee, they, they had voted on using solar energy, wanting to go that direction and try to, again, what, what, what we said, renewable energy, save some money. 
So there's all of these solar panels sitting in a warehouse right now because the company, the energy company, it's We Energies, W-E, We Energies, is refusing to connect the solar project to its utility system. And what they're saying is that it's illegal under state law. Now, what We Energies is pointing to in Milwaukee, or excuse me, in Wisconsin state law, and I know not all of us are experts, myself included, about Wisconsin state law, but again, from the journal Sentinel, they're saying that the company that's going to install the solar panels, which is Eagle Point Solar, it's an Iowa-based company, they're going to own a majority stake in the project, and the Public Service Commission bans solar projects owned by third-party companies. So We Energies is essentially looking at this, this move to solar energy and the fact that they won't have a majority stake in the project. And they're basically seeing it like a like they're being phased out. So uh, our struggle here and, and where this story gets interesting, again, from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, is that We Energies was allowed a pilot program or allowed to go forward with a pilot program uh, late last month. That'll essentially allow them to do exactly what they were complaining about with Eagle Point Solar uh, and similar companies that are banned from doing it according to state law. So if you're listening right now and you're like, what? This seems like a lot of confusing back and forth. It kind of is. And and that's the point of what we're doing um, with this edition of the podcast is there. this could be a problem moving forward. It, it could be an issue where Electric companies, because obviously electric companies, you know, they make so much money right now controlling whether or not, and again, I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing, uh, because it's it's a necessity. We need electricity, we need gas, we need power, heat, you know, the whole nine yards. And when you start introducing solar energy and the fact that that could cut into a little bit of their, their pie, their paychecks, uh, they're going to want a say in it. So you have this company in Wisconsin, We Energies, who wants to be in charge of doing the solar project and not giving it completely, or in this case, a majority stake to a a third party company, which is the Eagle Point Solar we were talking about. Uh, And now I'm not sure how prevalent this is going to be in other states and other cities and how much you know, other legislation or legislatures across the country will run into similar problems. But as you start to see money involved and money taken away and maybe not taken away, but, um, pocketbooks impacted, that's when you're going to start seeing more of these, uh, legal loopholes, I guess you could call them, um, or go arounds trying to get through, uh, some vague wording and, and state constitutions and Sydney or city ordinances and, this, that, and the other. And that's what we're seeing in Milwaukee. So it's just, it's interesting to bring up because again, it's, it's a growing thing. I mean, in Texas alone, which is where I am in 2017, it was the third fastest growing state for, uh, for solar energy. And this is from newsenergysage.com. What they're saying is that Texas, it was the most favorable in the nation when it came to solar energy growth. I mean, just think about it. Texas is, it's hot and sunny anyway. And right now it holds three of the top 20 cities for solar solar power in the United States in Austin, San Antonio and Houston. So, and that, that was 2017. That was two years ago. I mean, in 2018, California was growing. Now you think about those two states, Texas and California, two of the most populous states in the country. If they're starting to do it, you've heard the old expression as, as Texas goes, so does the United States, whether you agree with it or not. As you start seeing these states adopt this, you're going to start seeing more energy companies like We Energy in this Journal Sentinel piece point to 
confusing portions of state legislature law city ordinances and say, now, wait a second, we should be allowed to do more because what do they have in mind first? Their pocketbooks. And you can't blame them for that, right? They're a business and we're their customers. But it's certainly something that is going to play out. It's, it's worth keeping an eye on in Wisconsin because how is this going to shake out? Is we energies, are they going to have a point and essentially filibuster and be allowed to keep these solar panels that they, the city approved in a warehouse only because they don't, they aren't getting the right portion of the pie they think is appropriate. Or is the state going to come out and say, Nope, you have to install them. You have to connect them to the utility system. Go because what happens there, it could be a, a domino fall chain reaction type thing in different parts of the country. Um, Cause I'm sure other energy companies and electric companies are watching this play out and they're trying to see, okay, is what we energy is doing. Can we do that in our state? Can we hold on to that for just a little longer? I think that's why it's important watching and, and paying attention to this. And if you go, if you look up on the journal Sentinel's website, Milwaukee journal Sentinel, the lack of clarity on state law, um, hindering solar projects, you can read the whole story for yourself and kind of get a more in-depth look at it. Cause this, it, they go well more into depth. What we just talked about here, they're going into other pilot programs and, and the opinions of some other businesses and that kind of thing. And, just not enough time to really get into the the nitty gritty of that but again it's something we just want to put on your radar because this is something that could seriously begin to have a chain reaction across the united All right, everyone. Unfortunately, that's it for today's episode of the Market Scale Energy Podcast Show. I hope you all enjoyed this 2019 look at how do you move forward, cutting some of that red tape, getting these energy initiatives off the ground. You know, I think what we saw here is pretty indicative that a renewable future isn't totally set in stone. There are some, you know, local issues. There are some statewide issues, nationwide issues that are preventing solar plans, um, solar projects from taking off and really hitting the mainstream, for lack of a better word. So if you are passionate about this, if this is something that you want to see for the future of the states, the future of the world, you know, put some energy behind it and make it happen in 2019. This is definitely the year to make it happen um, on a sort of cosmic level, right? I know um, 2018, there was a lot of talk about we are sort of reaching critical mass about making changes for our planet and moving forward for a more renewable future. So 2019 is the first step in making that a reality and work with your local governments. Um, If you are a local government employee, find ways to, uh, you know, motivate that interaction between utility companies, between the governance. Uh, And yeah, get these solar projects off the ground. And to wrap things up, I brought Tyler Kern into the studio, obviously our other MarketScale podcast host. It's always good to have you in the studio, Tyler. And I just wanted to bring you in real quick because we released another podcast show, which is a totally different industry, obviously. Uh, We do a lot of industry-level content, but... It's some interesting content, and I wanted to let our listeners know, hey, if they're interested, they should check it out. So, Tyler, we released a new episode of the Retail Podcast. That's right. And I didn't even ask you, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Daniel? I'm great. It is a beautiful Monday. It is. And um, 2019 is already 
kicking my butt, you know. It's but, off to a smashing start. Yes, but in a good way. You know, it's, right. we're staying busy, and um, it's definitely the right way to start off the year with, uh, you know, a lot of solid content coming out. So mm-hmm. tell us a bit about this retail show and what listeners could learn by giving this a listen. Yeah, so the retail podcast this week uh, does a little bit of kind of what we've done with a lot of the industries. Look back at 2018 mm. and then look forward to 2019. So looking back specifically at the holiday season for retail, uh, how did uh, retail outlets do over the holidays? You're going to hear a little bit of that from two experts, Stephanie Sullivan and uh, Tony D'Onofrio, uh, give their insight on the uh, the state of the retail industry uh, over the holiday season for 2018. And then looking forward at some trends for 2019. So for instance, Tony D'Onofrio is going to talk about this this will be the year where millennials will become the largest generation in the United States uh, with the decline of the baby boomers and mm. kind of the rise of millennials. Uh, so what does that mean for the retail industry moving forward, uh, having a new dominant uh, generation that has a lot of the buying power? So what does that mean for the retail industry? So you can hear more about that on this week's uh, retail podcast. I love that. I love how generational differences influence so much of what our retailers do. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of times it's a give and take. So the trends of a cultural generation influence the companies that then sell back to them. But I think to a degree as well, the way that the companies form marketing campaigns or form this is the standard for whatever retail in uh, 2019 then leaks its way back and then that the consumer adopts a lot of that. So yeah. I don't know, I think a lot of these trends originate with a new cultural generation, but sometimes the companies themselves are the ones that end up setting the standard and end Mm -hmm. up defining a look, a feel, a vibe, for lack of a better word, for an entire decade or so. Well, and as an example of what you're talking about, we're going to talk a little bit about cashierless stores Mm. on this show and just the... um the trend of that, you know, Amazon has some, uh, just here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, where our studio is located, uh, Sam's Club recently popped up. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a cashierless store. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, how much is that uh, playing into uh, the idea of what millennials like, but also how much is that shaping, uh, you know, what, what a generation is is into and how they interact with technology and with retail. So, uh, it's exactly what you're talking about, and I'm excited to uh, get to dive into it on this week's show. Definitely. So, now that we're wrapping up the Energy Podcast, you should definitely head to marketscale.com slash industries and check out our market scale retail podcast show. Tyler's hosting that one. It's full of solid content. I know I've spoken to Stephanie Sullivan before. Her insight is always fabulous. Tony D'Onofrio, great guy. He's a market scale regular. So definitely give it a listen, everyone. Even though it's not in your wheelhouse, I think everyone can learn a little bit by listening to how different industries are adapting, changing, and really looking forward to 2019. So thanks for coming in the studio, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me, Daniel. All right, everyone. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a comment and a rating wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.